Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show. It's on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 202. It's titled, Will Your Next Car Be Electric? April and I have been traveling for several months now. We've seen a lot of cars and we've seen a lot of highway. We, we have visited 21 states. We're now working our way back home. But last week, we were on Route 117 in rural New Mexico. This was just south of El Malpais National Conservation Area, in the middle of nowhere. We rounded the bend, and there was a car overturned about 20 yards off the road. It was a 2006 Honda Pilot, I came to learn, the exact same color of a Pilot that we used to own. There was a woman standing outside next to the car, or next to the SUV, with her dog. And she said, I'm fine. I already called the police. I'm fine. This car was absolutely totaled. And we stopped because maybe she looked fine physically. But she said she was looking for her shoe. And I thought, well, at least we could help her look for that. April got there first and gave the woman a hug. And she absolutely just collapsed into April's arms and sobbed. I don't know how she survived that wreck. Her lip was busted a little bit, but when I went to go look for the shoe, I'm crouched down, looking into the cab. There's glass strewn everywhere. I couldn't find the shoe. I saw her earbuds, though, for her iPhone, and so I went to pull those out. I couldn't get them out. They They were scrunched between the metal and the seat somehow. But she survived. We waited 30 minutes or so for the police to arrive. Another couple showed up to help out. Surprisingly, two people had stopped. And when the woman said she was fine, they went on. There's no way that you're fine after, after an accident like that. But it got me thinking about safety of cars. The National Highway Safety Council reports that in 2017, there were 40,109 motor vehicle deaths. That's about 1% less than 2016. In 2016, there was 1.18 fatalities for every 100 million vehicle miles traveled. That's down from 3.4 fatalities in 1980, 7.2 in 1950, and 24.1 fatalities for every 100 million vehicle miles traveled in 1921. Cars are getting safer. 
Where's the, the safest place to drive? Rhode Island and Minnesota, where there are 0.66 fatalities for every 100 million vehicle miles traveled. And the riskiest place to drive is South Carolina at 1.88, Kentucky at 1.69, and Alaska at 1.67. There's an article in Popular Mechanics called Why Are Cars Safer? And, and one reason is the steel is stronger, but it isn't just because it's stronger steel. That, that's, that's not enough. David Leone, he's the executive chief engineer for Cadillac, in that article, he says, heavy does not mean safe. Heavy means heavy. Go back to the 50s and 60s. The cars were heavy. They were stiff. But if you ran into the wall, you bounced off the wall, and all the deceleration went through your body. Heavy and stiff is not where you want to be. The article points out that advances in steel, different grades, so some parts are very, very stiff in the car, but others strategically use other materials such as aluminum, magnesium, carbon fiber, and different grades of steel. And it allows engineers to design structures that, as the article says, can dissipate and redirect crash forces to allow this young woman in the Honda Pilot to survive. Now, there's some other trends in automobiles. One, we're buying less of them. Millennials, I'm not even going to give that generality. I've talked about millennials on the show. And, and maybe this is hearsay. But some say that they're less interested in cars and don't buy as many. Certainly, across the country, we're buying less cars. Vehicle sales on a seasonally adjusted annual rate, peaked at 18 million in 2016. And the most recent data we had was 17.9 million for the year ending March 2018. And, but on our travels, we were in Georgia and I met with my, my nephew's son. He's 10. He absolutely loves cars. As much as I loved cars growing up, it's all these little Hot Wheel cars displayed in in his room, and he has remote control cars. He loves cars, and his dad loves cars. And the cars are changing. They're definitely changing. We want to talk about electric vehicles, which there's, there's roughly about, in 2016, there was 1.2 million electric vehicles worldwide. And by electric, we're talking about plug-in cars, and sometimes if they're plug-in hybrid, that counts, but just some are 100% electric. But it's growing. In 2015, 0.67% of cars on the road in, in the U.S. were electric versus those that use combustible engines. In 2017, it surpassed 1% for the first time, 1.18%. So still a really small portion. And the, and the title of the today's show is, Will Your Next Car Be Electric? There's some things preventing it from becoming widely adopted. And we're going to look at that today, but see what the trends are. First is cost. It's more expensive to buy 
a electric car. The upfront cost. The Chevy Volt costs $33,000. Starting price, Nissan Leaf, $30,000. Tesla Model 3, if you can get one, $35,000. The Tesla Model S, $68,000. So they're, they're expensive to start. But what's important is the total cost of ownership over the life of owning the car. And that's something I track on my car. I've had many different types. Generally, it's been 28 to 30 cents per mile once you count the, the depreciation hit and the maintenance. There was a paper by Michael Savak and Brandon Shuttle of the University of Michigan they calculated that the average annual cost of driving a typical new gasoline vehicle in the United States is $1,117 per year. So that would be gasoline and maintenance. In an electric vehicle, it's only $485. So much less. It costs less to maintain an electric car. A gasoline engine car has 2,000 moving parts. An electric vehicle, only about 20. So there's no oil changes, no fan belts, air filters, no timing belt, head gaskets. Boy, we've had to replace those in our Subarus. No spark plugs. There's just less to fix. And then... So just less to maintain. But there's one big, really expensive item that that worries people, worried me when I think about buying an electric car. What what if the battery goes bad? Nissan says the cost plus installation of a new battery for the Nissan Leaf is $5,499. That's pricey. But... With the batteries, it's rare that you actually have to replace the whole battery. Sometimes you can re- just replace a cell. Fred Liguri of, of Chevrolet Communications says, in almost seven years of Volt sales, we have yet to replace a single battery pack under warranty for general capacity degradation. So the batteries last, and the odds of having to replace one just isn't very high. And certainly electric cars are extremely efficient. My son took a class at at, uh, BYU uh, on energy, and they they calculated energy uses. And in one of the books they used, it was called Sustainable Energy Without the Hot Air. It's by David J.C. McKay. You can actually, I'll link to it in the show notes. You can download a free copy online and, and if you sign up for my free insider's guide, you can just get those show notes emailed to you weekly, as well as an essay I do each week, some of the best writing. So I've mentioned this before, but if you're not on that list, get on that list. You can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Or if you're, you're a U.S.-based listener, just text the word insider to the number 44222. But in that book, he he estimates that the cost, when we look at how much Energy does it cost to drive? He estimates that it takes 131 kilowatt hours 
per 100 kilometers driven in a car. This would be a car that gets roughly 20 miles per gallon. So 131 kilowatt hours. Now, part of that is converting the, and that's what they did in this class, convert the, the energy embedded in oil. I saw some estimates that to actually process oil, get it out of the ground, about 8 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. But once we factor in that the energy embedded in the oil, it's about 131 kilo, kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers for a car. But when we compare that to the electric cars, they're about 19 to 20 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. That includes the, the i3, the Chevrolet Bolt, the Ford Focus Electric. So it looks like the best in this list here is, is that i3 from BMW, 16.23 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers driven. The Tesla Model S is at 20.73. So clearly the electric cars are more efficient. They're cheaper to maintain, but they're still more expensive. And at some point, it doesn't have to be completely in terms of total cost parity, electric cars will probably still be more expensive than internal combustion engine cars. But the, the point is, because the maintenance is so much less and the cost to operate in terms of, of, of just the electric or the, or versus the gasoline, it doesn't have to be that much doesn't have to be equal in terms of, uh, of the price. You, you, it's okay to pay more if the operating cost. But right now, the total cost of ownership of an electric car is more than the total cost of ownership for a gasoline engine car. There is a paper by Melissa Lines. She's with the U.S. Energy Information Administration. She points out what needs to happen for this cost parity to arrive is the batteries have to become cheaper. They'll likely need to decrease to about $100 per kilowatt hour. Right now, well, in 2010, they were, they were about $1,000 per kilowatt hour of storage. Now, they're still around $200 per kilowatt hour. At least they were in 2016. So as those battery prices drop, that's the primary cost of the upfront cost of an electric car. Now, there, there's some bottlenecks there. Cobalt is used in those batteries. And the, the resource is, is scarce. There's a low amount of proven reserves. So that, that's a potential. And a lot of them are in politically unstable regions. Lithium is another mineral that needs to go into it. And sometimes it's in short supply, but a lot of it, as we could get up to scale, can be recycled. The other cost driver is the ability to, to manufacture at scale, to, to get a production line going. This is something Tesla has struggled with, with their Model 3. Elon Musk has promised, we got to get 5,000 Cars produce Model 3 cars off the assembly line per week. They're just over 2,000. There's been class action suits against Tesla 
as to whether they've mis- misled the public in terms of their ability, because it's hard to, to, to get that. That's the competitive advantage uh, of automobile manufacturers, their ability to use one production line for, for different models and to get it to produce high-quality vehicles at scale. And that's something Tesla has been struggling with. And the other manufacturers are, are working on. In fact, this, this concept, what they're doing, is one reason I wanted to do this episode, because there's an element of Taoism here that has a great example from a Financial Times article. Before I discuss that, let me share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The title of the Financial Times article is Car Makers Take the Electric Fight to the Factory Floor. And the quote I loved, it says, Instead of coming out with an array of unprofitable electric cars today, the incumbents are putting the bulk of their resources into production facilities that will mass-produce models from 2020. Once battery costs fall, and economies of scale kick in. Analysts suggest this approach leaves the impression the incumbents are lagging 
far behind Tesla. But once the game actually starts, say experts, the car makers will be in a strong position to dominate the market. This reminds me of the roundabout approach that is a part of Taoism, an indirect approach. I've discussed this in earlier episodes of the show, particularly the book, The Tao of Capital, Austrian Investing in a Distorted World by Mark Spitznagel. And he gives the example of this roundabout approach, the conifers, which we've seen a lot of as we've driven along the highway, and in angiosperms like maples. And when you drive along, you often see there might be a lot of maple trees and elm and other broadleaf trees. And then you get to a rocky portion along the highway. And there you often see conifers. Spitznigel writes, it's not that conifers prefer rocky, acidic, sandy, waterlogged, and other low-quality soils. Indeed, where they are planted and cultivated in better climates with more fertile conditions, conifers thrive. They, they love great soil. But they don't grow as fast as angiosperms in the early years. They're, they're building up the, their, their assets, essentially, in terms of the root system and thicker bark. So they get a slower start. And so he goes on, in order to avoid the direct competition for scarce resources, conifers retreat to inferior soil, wind-battered ridges, and low-lying areas where water collects, leaving the prime site to the fast growers. In other words, he continues, conifers pay now for productivity gains later. In building efficiencies, they aim first towards means whereas the angiosperms in their immediate fast growth aim straight toward ends. Such purposeful indirectness focused on means to the attainment of a desired end. The, the car manufacturers are, are focusing on building the, the, the ability to produce at scale and waiting, taking a roundabout indirect approach, waiting to, to come out with a, a bunch of new electric models until the battery costs have actually fallen. The Financial Times article quotes Oliver Zips. He's the head of production at BMW, who said efficiency was always the cornerstone of success in the automotive industry. As soon as you were not able to produce in a particular cost frame, you're out of the market. The whole system is becoming enormously complex all of a sudden. And he's talking about the need to incorporate new drivetrain, drivetrains, autonomous technology, and keeping the speed of production at about 60 seconds per car. Zip says, if you're not able to keep this complex system working 100% faultless, you will never do 60-second manufacturing cycles. And if you're not doing 60-second cycles, you'll never build 300,000 cars. And Elon Musk admits the challenge. He says the competitive strength of Tesla long-term is not going to be the car. It's going to be the factory. 
And, and that's it. This is sort of the roundabout approach, the indirect. Get the factory in place, the automation, so you can produce the cars at scale, and that'll help drive really this revolution to electric cars. Then it comes down to whether consumers actually want electric cars. The article in by the in the the EIA by Melissa Lines points out the challenge there. In China, China has some very have has super small electric cars, and they have incentives for consumers to adopt them. She writes, in China, the government offers the second highest monetary incentives to promote the purchase of electric vehicles. But consumers have been more frequently opting for more expensive gasoline-powered sports utility vehicles. In May 2017, SUV sales in China experienced 17% year-on-year growth, reaching 3.78 million vehicles sold year-to-date. However, new energy vehicles, which include battery, electric, plug-in hybrid electric, and fuel cell cars experienced 7.8% year-on-year growth, reaching only 136,000 year-to-date. So even though it's a smaller base, electric, and there's a lot of incentives, the Chinese are not massively adopting them yet. And, And it could be because electric vehicles are quiet. You don't get the roar of the engine sound, which is sort of the classic element of a car. That sound is so important that BMW, in their M5, actually plays a recording of the motor sound. It's an actual sound of the motor, but it's a recording through the car's stereo because the cars have become so quiet at buffering the sound that BMW says it, it helps the driver know when to shift. If they can hear the recording uh, of the engine, which is synchronized to the RPM. But this idea that the, the sound of the engine, is that is quintessential driving. We have to overcome that if we want an electric car. Now, I've driven a Tesla. I liked it, but there was aspects that I had to get used to. Regenerative braking, where the, the slowing down of the car actually recharges the battery. That feels weird. Not used to it. We have to overcome those things. And there are other impediments. The challenge of actually getting the, 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 the car charged in terms of you have, to, you, have to have, you have an app to sort of plan out the route to figure out so you can actually charge the car. Melissa Lyons writes, in more developed countries, access to charging stations still places limits on PEV adoption. With the current technology, it takes hours to fully charge an electric battery without using a high-speed charger. Even with such a charger, it takes longer to charge a battery than to fill a tank with gasoline. Because of limited ability of high-speed chargers, 
consumers need to be able to charge their vehicles at their residences or places of work. However, many consumers do not have access to electrical outlets where they park their cars. As a result, many countries will still need to install charging stations near residences. Now, that's something that's just going to have to be rolled out, but that's another impediment to mass adoption. Not enough charging stations. The time it takes, the sound of the car, just people getting used to what the definition of a car is, be it electric cars or even autonomous cars. Now, government policy can encourage that change. Several countries have proposed policies to to outlaw the combustible engine in terms of, of, of lightweight vehicles. The Norwegian government hopes to end the sale of petroleum-fueled vehicles by 2025. India's government announced that by 2030, only electric vehicles will be sold in India. And the governments of France and the United Kingdom have similar policies, saying the internal combustion engine vehicles will be banned by 2040. The EIA did a, an analysis and, and looked at, well, what would the adoption be? Right now, it's only 1%. And they did a, a, a low case where it's just there's too many impediments and, and the cost doesn't come down, come down fast enough in terms of total cost parity. And they have a high penetration case. And, and they say by, by 2025, all cases, it's still under 5%. By 2030, the high penetration case, they're saying it'll be 10% uh, of the, the light-duty vehicles on the road in the U.S. The base case is about 5%. 2040, their, their high penetration case is 25%. Their base case around 14%. And their low penetration case is about 7%. So it's coming, but it's coming slow. But as it comes, it does have an impact in terms of, of fuel use and the electrical grid. Their high penetration case calls for a reduction of huge reduction in oil demand and an increase in electricity because all that charging takes it to the grid. But that transition will mean overall less energy use. David J.C. McKay in that book, Sustainable Energy Without the Hot Air, points out that 75% of the energy used for a fossil fuel car is lost in making the engine and radiator hot. Only 25% is used for pushing. Whereas electric car just used to push the car with the battery. I am convinced, we'll see, that my, my next car, my personal vehicle, will be an electric car. Probably wait till 2020 or beyond to get it. Wait for battery costs come come down. Wait for closer upfront cost being the same, or at least total cost parity being the same. But, I, but I'm fine if the car's quiet. 
And there's some really cool things coming along. I know, for example, Porsche is talking about putting a separate, essentially, battery for each wheel, which is super efficient. But that's episode 202. You can show, get show notes at moneyfortherestofus.com. And everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk risk situation, not provided investment advice, simply general education on money, investing in the economy. Have a great week.